Okay, we are live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest, a returning guest. He's done two other shows, including this one. It will be three. His name is Pastor Carl Gallops. He's just published a book in March 2022. The title of it is Glimpses of Glory from the Garden of Eden to Jesus's Glorious Return, a Cosmic Collision of Biblical Truth Exploding to Life Upon the Tapestry of the Mind and Soul. And it's a very interesting book. It's really well written. It's a different style than I've seen before. But we've also talked about two other books, which you can go back into my archive and listen to. One was titled Masquerade, Prepare for the Greatest Con Job in History. That was published in 2020. And then another, the other was The Summoning, Preparing for the Coming Days of Noah. Sure feels like we're in it right now. That was published February 2021. And then as far as a bio for Pastor Gallup's, he has been the senior pastor of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Milton, Florida, since 1987. He's a graduate of the Florida Law Enforcement Officer Academy, Florida State University with a BSc in Criminology, and New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary with a Master's in Divinity. And he's also served on the Board of Regents at the University of Mobile in Mobile, Alabama, since 2000. And some of the other titles of his books are The Rabbi, The Secret Message, and The Identity of the Messiah. That was published 2019. Also, Gods of Ground Zero, The Truth of Eden's Iniquity, published 2018. Gods and Thrones, Nakash, Forgotten Prophecy, and The Return of the Elohim, published 2017. He also mentions the word Nakash in this book, so I'll ask him about that. And then there's another one about a rabbi called The Rabbi Who Found Messiah, The Story of Yitzhak Kaduri and His Prophecies of the End Times, published 2016. Those are just a few of the titles. He's also the best-selling author, internationally known talk radio host, and his website is his full name www.carlgallops.com. And again, the title of the book that we're going to talk about today. Uh, with the, it has a foreword by another guest that I've had on, Derek Gilbert. The title of the book is Glimpses of Glory from the Garden of Eden to Jesus's Glorious Return, a Cosmic Collision of Biblical Truth Exploding to Life Upon the Tapestry of the Mind and Soul. And it's Pastor Carl Gallop. So, Carl, welcome back to the show. Hey, William, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, Derek, Derek Gilbert is a, is a uh, dear and precious friend of mine, and uh, he wrote a very, very gracious forward. I was extremely grateful to him for that. And also, um, that long subtitle you're reading out, that, you know, that is the subtitle. But it's funny when, when I hear you saying it because it sounds like it's a, it's a whole page, you know. But, but really, it's just meant to give a quick one-sentence description, basically, of what the book's all about. But you're right. The title is Glimpses of Glory. And, um, yeah, it's completely different than anything else I've ever written. But, uh, man, uh, people are really enjoying it, brother. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks. And I really enjoyed it. I found it fascinating because it's kind of narrative history, biblical history, and then commentary, and then back to narrative biblical history. So you get this context of the Gospels and the biblical story from the beginning to yeah. Christ's glory. And so you did a great job. It's really interesting. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Listen, this was a... Um, a divine download, I'm going to call it. Now, I, I I will own anything that I got wrong, okay? I'm not blaming that on God, but but I do believe the Lord put this idea in my heart years ago, and I've been mulling it over. I even dedicated it to my father, who just passed away a few I'm days ago. Well, thank you. Me. I appreciate it. Yeah, but he, for years, he's been urging me to write a book like this because he's one of the greatest fans of my books, you know, and he's read them all and he loves the word of God. And 
He loves the stuff that I've written that's helped him to understand the word even more. But in almost all of my books, I've almost always included at least two or three or four chapters of narrative material to just kind of illustrate these deep biblical truths and put the reader in the in the you know into the narrative into the biblical narrative as a bystander or an observer and so he kept saying man you ought to write a whole book like this you you ought to just start at the beginning of the bible go all the way to the end and i'm thinking gee dad thanks i mean that would take 18 years to do and I, you know but, you know but but the more i thought about it the more i thought you know that not only is that doable with a lot of work but it it would be something that really there's nothing like it on the market. And and this is not about a marketing thing. I'm just saying there's nothing like it out there that I know of that God's people would have. And so I just thought it would be unique. I thought it would be useful. And so I wrote it. Uh, Defender published it graciously. Derek Gilbert wrote the, the forward. And people are loving it. So all praise to Yeshua for that. But uh, yeah, but thanks for asking. That's kind of how it came about. Right. So you go all the way back to the garden of Eden. And so you're kind of going through this right from the the foundation of the world. You you talk the intro is with at the garden of Gethsemane, but then you kind of get back into uh, really the garden of Eden too, right? So the garden of Gethsemane yeah. and the garden of Eden. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, William, you're right. And listen, it's written kind of like a movie is produced. In fact, I didn't really do it that way on purpose. I guess it's just the way my mind, <laughs> my my wife says I have a beautiful mind. I don't know if you ever saw that movie, but that's not a, it's, it's almost an insult, you know? <laughs> in, other words, I, in other words, I have an imaginative mind, but I see things in pictures. Even when I preach, people say, you know, a lot of people that like my preaching, there's, I'm sure there are many people that don't like my preaching, but the people that do uh, say, you know, I can, when you preach, I can, I can see it in my mind. I mean, you're so vivid and descriptive and almost like Jesus taught in parables and pictures. And yeah, well, most people kind of, kind of learn better that way. Not everybody, but a lot of people do think in pictures. And so, so as I'm writing this, as it's downloaded, I do believe from the Lord, um, it, it comes out that by the time it goes to print and people are reading it, I've been inundated with emails and, and postings and even letters and phone calls to our offices. People saying, is this going to be a movie? Is this going to be turned into a movie? And I said, well, thank you for the compliment, but I, I wouldn't even know how to go about doing that. But it reads that way. I, I think you might agree with that, William. In that, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, gotta, it, go ahead. Please continue. I was just going to say the imagery and you kind of are put in the place kind of watching this dramatic sequence of events. Yeah. yeah, yeah, thank you. That's that's what I intended, was that the reader would feel like he or she was like right there. I mean, I, I put you on the ark with Noah. I put you in the garden with, uh, you know, Nakash, Satan, and Adam and Eve. I, I, I put you in the garden of Gethsemane. I put you at the cradle of Jesus with Mary and Joseph. And it's not just your standard Christmas story either. I mean, it, it's biblical, it's archaeological, it's historical to the point that it's going to rock a lot of people's worlds when they read it. Um, I put you in the garden of Gethsemane. And again, that's going to rock some people's worlds when they see what actually happened there. And then I put you at the foot of the cross. And then 
then I put you, oh gosh, at John the Revelator, years after Jesus says, well, I put you at the resurrection, I put you at the ascension, I put you at the birth of the church, and then I put you at the foot of the cross, excuse me, at, 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 at John the Revelator at his trial, uh, then his, you know, his um, banishment to the island of Patmos, I put you with him basically when he's released from that and history bears out that he was released from that banishment finally through a big political process in Rome. I describe all of that. And then I bring you all the way back to his elderly years where he's on his deathbed in his, in his bedroom being attended by some family members and when he draws his last breath and all of the things that are kind of going on through his mind and what happens, and then his entrance into glory, and what that is like. That's another thing that I emphasize in the book, as you know, William, is this understanding of multiple dimensions of reality, that the Bible the Bible speaks of from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. I mean, even that famous passage of Scripture that most Christians turn into little, you know, little diddlies and Sunday school lessons and, 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 you know, feel good sermons, you know, our battles, not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities and unseen realms and put on the armor of God. And so back in the old days, we'd pull out the flannel boards and put a picture of a Roman soldier up there and all the armor and, you know, and the whole thing, that whole passage of scripture, number one, it's not about a Roman soldier. It says the armor of God and the scriptures in the Old Testament speak of the armor of God. And it happens to line up with what Paul wrote. Gee, imagine that. And then, then, but, but, the, but the point is, it speaks of there are unseen realms. And that, that would be our modern word, unseen dimensions of reality where physical beings and physical life is actually taking place. And they are impacting our life and our world. And as freaky as that might sound, the science of quantum mechanics has pretty much, well, pretty much proven that there are multiple dimensions of reality. And, and, and they speculate and theorize that there may be actual life in some of those dimensions. In fact, the, the, the CERN Hadron Collider, the head of that whole operation, has said that and said they're looking looking for the portals to get into those dimensions and see what's there and what they what might come out and what they can put in and I'm I'm making air quotes right now because they actually say that some of that's in my book too so so yeah I mean I bring it's not just it's not just another story about Jesus and again I'm making air quotes for your audience as I say that it's 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 this whole panoramic immersive understanding of what in the world is happening in the world why is it falling apart, apparently. And what's it all about? Why are we where we are? Where is it headed? What is God doing? What has he done? What is he going to do? What is my place in it? And so by putting you in the whole biblical narrative from the beginning, by the time you get to the end of this book, you should have a huge aha moment. Like, ah, I get it now. I see what's happening is not just a children's story. It's not just a children's Sunday school lesson. This is for real. This is for keeps. It is actually happening, and I'm actually living in the middle of it. Right, and you actually kind of use terms, too, that apply to our present time when you write about the divine reset as opposed to the great reset of Carl Schwab. So there was a divine reset back, uh, you know, to 2000 yeah. years BC, right? Can you talk about that? Yeah, in the flood. Yeah, you know, 
listen, I'm not competing with anybody, but I actually use that term divine reset long before I heard anything about, about the great reset. I, I mean, I told my wife when I started seeing this pop up on the internet everywhere, some years back, I said, you know, baby, I said, it's like they've read my books <laughs> and, and they and, and it's like Satan is taking this, this godly biblical understanding of the divine reset that happened at the flood when God pushed the button and destroyed everything and started over. It's like they've taken that and Satan once again has perverted it. And now, you know, their terminology is the great reset, you know, greater than that, the great reset, you know, where Satan takes his throne and controls the world basically is what they're talking about. But, but yeah, I mean, and yeah. So, yeah, but all go, of their, go ahead. I all of their values are satanic. They're all about people don't have any free will. Their yeah. lives are meaningless. They can be hacked. These are all in contradiction to the biblical yes. ideas and thoughts, right? Yes, the biblical worldview. Absolutely. And so let me just say this about the book for your listeners as well. And please, I want your listeners to understand, I am not here to sell a book. And I know it sounds like I am. I just, I've been a pastor. First of all, I was in law enforcement for 10 years. Most of that time spent in two different sheriff's offices under three different sheriffs, a patrol officer and criminal investigator in one of them. Uh, I, I've got a deep law enforcement background. Um, and then I've got 35 years in the ministry. So 35 years I've been approaching the word of God. Um, and, you know, you you said in my early creds, you know, I've got a master's degree in divinity that required Hebrew and Greek studies and theological studies and exegetical studies and hermeneutical studies and all of those things. So the point being is that my life has been immersed in investigating, pulling together evidence. So I approach my preaching and my teaching and my writing that way. I try not to be too professorial when I do those things. I, I speak in images and parables most of the time so people can get it, uh, you know, cl clearly and quickly and easily on a Sunday morning, for example. Uh, but, but um, you know, so, so in laying this book out, what I've done is there's really three books in one. And I, I don't want your audience to freak out in saying, oh my gosh, that, that'd be too difficult to read. No, it's one of the easiest books I think I've ever written to be able to read. But as I said, I, I'm not here selling a book. I, the reason I write these books is because of all of these years of life experience, all of these years of researching diligently, fervently, you know, researching the Word of God and and then preaching and teaching it. And, and I'm blessed to do a lot of media. I mean, you're, you know, I do a lot of radio and podcasting, a lot of television, major Christian television for years. And so I'm constantly having to explain and defend my positions. And so I think that's made me uh, stronger. But, but the point is that, so I write these books. I've got like a dozen of them out there now um, over the years, but I write them to just get this stuff out of my head. You know, I preach this stuff and people say, my gosh, I've never heard anything like that before, but there it is in the Bible. You ought to write a book, you know? And they said that for, they said that for decades, you know, and I kind of laughed, you know, I'm not a writer, but as it turned out, you know, God finally put the spirit over me and to do that. And now I love writing and, and it's a, it's a release. It's a way I can share with the world these things that I believe the Lord has taught me. So, but it's three books in one, because it's like you said, it's like this movie script. You're immersed in a movie. You start reading the opening pages. You think you're watching a movie and you're in the middle of it. And it's, and, and then as you said, you'll go a good ways through and then it stops. And there's a couple chapters of commentary. 
and I try to keep it real light. Uh, I mean, it's deep stuff, but you know, I keep it conversational and then I meld from that commentary right back into the narrative. And I actually say, as we're moving along, you know, okay, so now that you've learned this, now let's get back to the narrative where we left off. And boom, you're right back there, either at the foot of the cross or on the ark or wherever. And I do that two or three times in the book where I take a little pause for some commentary. And the reason I do that, and you've read it so you understand, but I'm trying to help your audience understand, I do that because in those narratives that come before the commentary, I've usually disclosed some pretty deep stuff, um, but I've done it in the matter of just matter of factly, you know, like you're there and this happened and he said this and she said that and the angel appeared here and Satan appeared here. And, and, and I know some people would be reading and say, you know, the Bible doesn't say that. Well, you read the commentary section, you discover not only does it say that, but scholars have been seeing it for you know, hundreds of years. And just, just the modern church has kind of let it go by the wayside. And so most Christians don't even know the Bible even says those things about those events. And so I've included all that in there. So you read this book, you read this novel, yet it feels like a movie, like you're watching a movie, yet every now and then there's a commercial break. And there's this narrative of, of commentary that just helps you to understand why I've said what I've said. Then boom, the movie comes back on. You're immersed again. And But that's okay. So there's two books right there. The third book is that even while you're reading the narrative, if I say something that I know is going to shock people, you, I have a little footnote. You know, you have to be looking because they're not like right all in your face because I don't want people to be distracted. But there's a little number. And if you'll follow that number to the back of the book, then you will discover that I will take you to the scriptures that actually say it. I will give you two or three scholarly commentary that uh, that backs up what I've asserted in my movie, my novel that, that you're reading. And sometimes I'll do word studies and show you that the words actually say that. And then sometimes I'll give my own commentary and opinion. So, so you got three books in one. You've got the novel, the, the movie, then you've got the little commercial breaks that are instructive, and then you've got all the material in the back of the book. And you don't have to read all the material in the back of the book. You don't ever have to read that if you don't want to. Just read the, the, the book as what it is. And But if you want to go deeper, then you go to the third book, which is in the back. Does that make sense, William? Yeah, I hope I want to. I hope oh, I wasn't you have, no, you have 348 footnotes. So this book is very well referenced and people can see kind of what the biblical worldview is right now. I think that it's very small percentage of the American public has a biblical worldview and we're living in biblical times. So yeah, well, the statistics to back up what you just said are this, according to George Barna, his latest polls, the two that I'll refer to have all come out in the last year, year and a half. And that is out of all of the people in America that claim to be Christians, um, after a lengthy couple of year long survey of those people, George Barna published a, a finding that only 11% or less of all of the people who claim to be Christians actually hold a worldview. Brother, we are in the minority now. I mean, a biblical worldview. They, everybody's got a worldview, but only 11% of people who claim to be Christians actually hold a biblical worldview. And I'll define what that means in a moment, but but that's shocking. But just as shocking, yeah, just as shocking, maybe even more shocking is the fact that just a few weeks ago, 
he released another study that he's been doing for a long, long time and came to the conclusion with a plus or minus two or three uh, 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 margin of error. He said that only 37% of all pastors have a biblical worldview. In other words, you can take any 100 pastors, statistically speaking, and line them up against a wall and start going down the points of the biblical worldview, the major points, and say, now listen, if you disagree with any or some or all of these, just step aside. And 63 of those 100 will step aside and say, I don't believe that. And only 37 are left that say, yes, I believe these foundational fundamentals of biblical truth. That's a biblical worldview. Jesus is the only way of salvation. Jesus is God in the flesh, God with us, Emmanuel, uh, the word that became flesh. Uh, Salvation is by God's grace alone. The Bible is the word of God. A marriage is between one man and one woman. A gender is a male and female, and that's it. Uh, uh, What's in the womb is sacred and should be protected at all costs possible and not 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 just discarded like a piece of trash for convenience sake. Uh, I mean, I could go on and on, but but you and I are sitting here going, well, of course, of course these things are true. Well, 63 pastors, if you ask 100 of them, 63 will step aside because one or some or all of those, they will tell you they don't believe. Right. It's incredible. And also con- con- uh, concurrent with that is this next generation. There was another study. I don't know if it was this one, but I read that's something like a huge number, like 75% of the youth feel lost. Like they yeah. don't have any guidance. They're just, they don't have a foundation. And it just made me feel sad. That, like they don't have something yeah. to go to. Well, yeah, we'll get this. So 37%, because this is addressed in this latest Barna poll, 37% of pastors have a worldview. 63% don't. Now that's senior pastors. When you got to the associate pastors, it dropped in the 40 percentile. Uh, uh, excuse me. Okay. When it got to the associate pastors, it dropped down in the upper 20 percent uh, uh, that had a biblical worldview. And when you got to the student ministers, some churches still call them youth ministers, it dropped down to 12 and 13 percent, which uh, corresponds with the general population of Christians worldview, 12 to 13%. Now, when you consider that a person's worldview is pretty much set by the time they're 13 years old, well, who are their main pastors at that point? People that have a 12% biblical worldview. I I mean, this is why it's happening, brother. It's, it's, it's just this, it's this, this doctrine of demons that Paul talked about in the last days. Right. And it's here, brother. It's here. It's, the it's great falling, falling away. away. The great falling away. Yeah, it's happening. It's happening. Yeah. It's really amazing. So we're really in biblical times. I mean, yes, we are. And this, yeah. yeah, it's incredible. I write about it, preach about it, teach about it. In fact, glimpses of glory kind of, you know, it makes makes it clear that we are without being all preachy. But I mean, it just, I mean, it just shows you where we are and why we're here and what God is doing about it and what our part in it is all about. Right. And there are answers, too, of what we can do to remedy the situation, right? Get back to the Bible. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I end with some of that as well and some of the, you know, the commentary, kind of a closing commercial, if you will. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, but you know, just to give your audience a feel for how it, when I say it, it's written like a movie, this is what I mean. And you'll remember this. I'm not so vain to think you remember everything about the book, William, but, but I think you'll remember this movement. When it starts, it opens with you being basically with Mary and Joseph as the baby's being born. I think it starts, I don't have the book in front of me. It says something like somewhere in the night, the still night of Bethlehem, a baby boy's cry was heard. And then I said, you know, that was not an unusual thing. Many baby boys were born in Bethlehem, but this one was different. And then I go on to say why. And, and I give you the emotions and the feelings of being there and Mary and Joseph and their emotions and feelings. And then I just kind of foreshadow what is to come, and then you turn the page in the next chapter, it has Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, hours away from his crucifixion. And I take you through that. And Derek Gilbert and I were doing a television show about this book uh, some months ago, and he wrote the forward, so he was on the show with me, a major Christian television show, major. And, and, and the host asked Derek about you know, why he wrote the forward. And he said, well, let me just, and he totally shocked me, William. I had no idea where he, where he was going. I thought he was going to say, well, cause Carl asked me to, and he's my friend, you know, but, sure. but, but he read the whole book like you did. And so he says, let me just show you why I wrote the forward. He says, first of all, I read the book before I wrote it, but he said, I just want to read three paragraphs to you. And this is indicative of how the book is written. And he read three paragraphs from the from the Garden of Gethsemane, and he literally broke down and wept while he was reading them on air. I mean, this was not, I mean, he's not that kind of an emotional guy, but he got choked up. Tears started flowing. Then he started weeping. I had to stop and just say, brother, let me just kind of finish for you for a second. And he put his hand up like, no, I'll, I'll finish. And he waited a minute. He, but I felt sorry for him. But he said, and then he finished. He said, that's why I wrote the forward. And so I don't know if it's really that good, but if it is, it's the Lord. I promise you, I'm not being falsely humble. I, I don't see it that being that good, but it moved him. And that just was the greatest compliment to me. And I, and I, I pray that this is what it does to people because it puts you there. You feel it, you smell it, you hurt with Jesus. You, you, you celebrate when people are celebrating, you know, same thing. You're on the ark. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, you, you feel it, you smell it, you hear the screams, you, you deal with everything. Yeah, you're there in the garden. You, you want to just punch Satan in the face when you read this because you realize that he's manipulating the heck out of Adam and Eve. And they're, and they're, they're trying to be cautious. They're trying to be obedient. But, but, but Satan is just throwing some really, really convincing temptations. And, and, and before long, about the time they bite the hook, they realize the devastation of it, and Satan just laughs and mocks them. And I mean, you know, when you understand the Word of God this way, all the way through to the end, it it really, really um, uh, freshens up the whole understanding of of what's going on in the world. Don't don't right. you think, brother? I'm not absolutely. And one of the things that also aids in understanding the book and the Gospels and what you include in the book is your knowledge of history. So you're including these things in this narrative that may not contextualize some of the gospel stories as much. So I appreciated yeah. that element of the work. Thank you. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it so much. You're very kind. Yeah. So, I mean, so there's a lot there. There's a lot in this book. 
it's 350 pages of text and then there's the back you know the the you can check all the notes you can check all the bible references um what do you think you learned from writing the book i mean sometimes i, I write books and i'm done and i go okay that's that added to my understanding did you have any kind of thoughts like that after you finished you, you know board? brother i yeah brother thank you um i I always learn a lot. I mean, I love it when people ask me, what did you learn when you wrote this book? Be, and, and the reason is because I'm just a consummate student. I read, I read, I read. I'm an avid reader of, of all kinds of things. Uh, I love historical fiction, and maybe that's one of the things that inspired me to write this like that. But I love history as well. I mean, uh, you know, nonfiction history and biographies. And then, of course, the Word of God and all the study that goes with it. So so I'm fairly well read, but the point I'm making is that every time I do a book like this, you, you know, from reading it and what you just said, you realize that that there's a lot of work that goes into this. <laughs> yeah. And so I have to research and some things I thought I knew, I find out that I didn't know it correctly and I have to correct myself. And then I think, wow, I've learned something here. Then there are other things that I just stumble upon. And of course, you know, there's no such thing as coincidence when you're under the anointing, but I feel in the flesh that I'm stumbling upon something. It just, quote, and I'm making air quotes again, just happened to be there in front of me when I was doing some research. And I said, oh my gosh, I did not, I've never made this connection before. And so I, I fold that into the book because I'm so excited about what I've learned. And I always check it out. I go to scholarship. I, I do the word studies. I do my due diligence, not to just take someone's opinion, but to take what they've said and then go check it out for myself. And so, yeah, I, I, I learned a lot and it, and it inspired me at the end of it. Of course, you, you know, when you write a book like this and it's published by a major publisher, so I have to turn the manuscript in. Then there's an editing process, and you work very closely with an editor for months, which requires me to read my own book, my own initial manuscript. I feel like a third grader when I get it back from the, you know, from the editor with all the red marks in it. I'm, I tell her all the time, I'm so embarrassed. I'm so embarrassed. She laughed. She said, no, no, no. She said, every writer is like this. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, but I, but I, 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 I have to read it so many times in the editing process that there reaches a point where I kind of get tired of it, you know, and then, and then I forget about it. Then I'll go back and read it maybe six months later or a year later. And I'm thinking, wow, did I write this? And I don't mean like it's that great. I mean, it's just the stuff in it. And then I think, we're, you know, wow, I remember when I had this revelation. I remember when I saw this, I had forgotten about that. So, yeah, yeah, I, I always learn things. Thanks for asking me that. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you now in very short time you put out a lot of books too i mean you put out you're at 12 books is that correct yeah, well oh, yeah, yeah brother um i've been writing for probably a 10 or 11 years i have 12 out tomorrow i'm turning in my 13th book mm -hmm. on a deadline from defender publishing and so that'll be 13 plus i have ghost written a couple of books. And of course, being a ghost writer, I'm not allowed to say who it was or what the book was, but I've written a couple of, uh, I've done a couple of ghost writing uh, projects. Both of those became bestsellers. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very blessed. I don't know. Uh, the Lord has just, you know, given me that gift all of a sudden a to be able 
to, to be able to write. And it's you know, gift. I'm I'm sure some people will read my books and say this dude doesn't have a gift. He's horrible. <laughs> but a lot of people like my stuff, so you know, I'm going to call it a gift. <laughs> and what what do you think? Like as far as the pro- prophetic tradition, what do you see happening prophetically right now in 2022? Okay, I'm not sure I understand your question. Are well, you I'm just saying, like, the, the biblical prophecy talks about the end-time revelation. Do you yeah. see anything from the, the the prophets or revelation that applies to our current era, other than oh. the falling away? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, listen, listen, I write about this and speak of it. I thought that's what you were asking, but I wasn't quite sure. Well, by I the didn't way state you... it very well. No, sorry. that's okay. That's okay, brother. It's probably my inability to comprehend <laughs> but but anyway i do understand what you're asking now listen i often say this william uh, when i'm doing conferences or preaching teach i say to my own congregation probably every fourth sunday i tell them you're gonna get tired of hearing me say this but we are living in the most prophetic time since the first coming of jesus christ i mean brother i can say to you and i'm not gonna bore your audience by taking 20 minutes doing it but i could give you, I'll give you a few examples, but I can say we are the first generation to see, boom, and I'll say it, and it's a biblical prophecy. And then we are the first generation to see, boom, and it's a biblical prophecy. Let me just give you four or five very quickly to show you the power of this. We are the first generation to see a 2,800-year-old prophecy fulfilled and the return of Israel to the Middle East. That return has caused the entire world geopolitical system to be stood on its ear. Everything in the world revolves around Israel, and people either love it or hate it. Most of the world hates it. Most of the Middle East wants it destroyed. Most of the geopolitical maneuvering of the Middle East, Europe and the United States, Russia and China, Iran and North Korea and Turkey and Syria, etc., revolves around Israel's presence. And the word of God said that would happen and that those kinds of things geopolitically would happen. We are living in the midst of it and we're the first historical generation in 2,800 years to see it happen. But We're also the first generation to see Jerusalem restored to that return to Israel as the chief city. And that only happened three or four years ago. Now, we're living in the middle of that. But most pulpits around America, when you got 63 pastors out of every 100, don't have a biblical worldview. That includes Israel and and prophecy. Um, They're not going to talk about this in the pulpits. I mean, the two biggest booms of biblical prophecy, the return of Israel and the return of Jerusalem as the chief city and the surrounding of the nations of Ezekiel 38, the coalition of these nations coming against it, it's all happening right before our eyes, and and it's only happened in our lifetime. Now, you move from all of that, and I could preach for an hour or more on all of that, but you could move from that. Let's go into the, the technological exponential explosion of knowledge and stuff, inventions and stuff, and transportation, information, communication, transportation systems, uh, medical uh, technology, uh, quantum physics technology, computer technology, internet technology, uh, warfare technology, satellite technology, space technology, all of that exploded right after Israel returned. I mean, the technological explosion became exponential in the 1950s, in the early 1950s, just within two or three years after the return of Israel. Brother, that is 
That is amazing. And it lines up with scriptures. I mean, look, I could go on and on about this, but yes, we, that's, you know, you're asking, what do I see? I see all of that and everything else the Bible says. There'll be a demonic outpouring. We're watching that. There yep. people will be given over to a depraved mind. We're watching that. And when, it, when the Bible says that, it means worldwide. It doesn't mean in just one little area or one nation or one section of the globe. It means worldwide. Brother, all of this is happening worldwide right now. We're watching the spirit of Sodom and Gomorrah go worldwide. Jesus said it'll be just like the days of Lot. We're watching the spirit of Noah's day. Jesus said in Luke 17, it'll be just like the days of Noah. Matthew chapter 24, it'll be just like the days of Noah. We're the first generation to see the spirit of the days of Noah and the spirit of Sodom and Gomorrah going globally. Also, we are told that in the last day, Satan was going to try to shut down the church to shut it down. Brother, in the year 2020, it was since since the church was born 2,000 years before it, there's never been a time where around the globe, the governments of the world were speaking with almost one voice, shutting churches down all over the world. And for the first time in church history, we had a global moratorium on celebrating Resurrection Sunday. And Resurrection Sunday is the Sunday that marks the defeat of Satan's kingdom through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in the year 2020, Satan shut it down. And it was a signal. It was his signal to the world. Revelation 12, 12 says, Woe unto you in the last days, because Satan has been thrown down to you, and he is filled with rage, because now he knows his time is short. Brother, we're living in that day too. You want me to keep going? <laughs> I mean, I think that's good. I think you did a great job. I really, we are living in biblical times, but it's the odd thing where so many people in the population don't have the eyes to see, the eyes to see it all when it's happening. Well, that's, when you that's got even more, makes it even more biblical. When you got 63 out of every 100 preachers not preaching it, uh, and then you've got 12% of the young people that are going to be the next leaders of the world that don't believe uh, the biblical worldview. You've got... Uh, you know, 20% uh, of associate pastors that don't believe the biblical worldview. I mean, we're there. The great falling mm -hmm. away is among us. Yeah, it's incredible. Well, a uh, solution to it is reading this book, Glimpses of Glory, and getting back to that biblical worldview. So where's the best place, Pastor Carl Gobbs, to get Glimpses of Glory? Okay. You, you, if I take the word best out, I can just say you can get it anywhere good books are sold. If you like okay. buying books online, it's available at Amazon and Books A Million and Barnes and Nobles, all of those places. You can get them from brick and mortar stores, Christian bookstores, even secular bookstores. If they don't have it on the shelves, and most of them do, but if they don't, you can order it through them. It's by a major publisher. And you can also get it directly from me from my offices. Just go to my website, carlgallops.com, and then you'll see at the top, it says store, the, the store, S-T-O-R-E, and you can order it directly right there, uh, PayPal. And if you don't use PayPal or like that, then there's a phone number and an email address, and we'll deal directly with you. It'll be postage free. It'll be autographed if you want it that way and you can even get bulk deals and or you know get two or three different books and we'll cut you a good deal on it so Excellent. you know at my website too so anyway almost anywhere you want to get one you can get it 
And that's the best place to reach out and contact you is through www.carlgallops.com, correct? Yes, absolutely. Phone number and an email address are there. They come straight to my offices. I've got several assistants and they will answer and or get the information to me and or sometimes I answer if it's something that just I need to answer. But yeah, I I mean, I don't sell books, so I'm not going to deal with you on book deals. But my assistants have been instructed to cut good deals and to help people out. And um, and we do. Yeah. Yeah. We even give a lot of books away to missions and pastors and stuff. Go ahead, brother. I'm sorry. Well, I was just saying, thanks so much for your time. It's really a blessing and an honor to have you. I really appreciate it. And people get this book. It's really well written. It's very interesting in its style. And I really like that. I found it to be very, uh, very edifying to read it in that style that you wrote it. So again, the title is Glimpses of Glory from the Garden of Eden to Jesus's Glorious Return, a Cosmic Collision of Biblical Truth Exploding to Life Upon the Tapestry of the Mind and Soul, published March 2022 by Pastor Carl Gallup. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much, William. God bless you. God bless you too. All right, stay there.